The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Um, I believe that's it. So let's go now to John chapter 1. Uh, we are marching through the gospel of John, and, um, and, and we are really excited about this study because um, it's through it that we see Jesus, and we see him only. And so let's go now to John chapter 1 and begin reading in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. It's the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the dark powers, against the devil himself that would do anything, tempt us in any way, distract us by anything that we might not hear and know and believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we might have life. Holy Spirit, would you break through this morning? Would you push back the darkness as we declare this morning that what Jesus you do by your spirit through your word? And would you allow us to see Jesus and him only? Well, Jesus, there is no one else. There is no nothing else that can give us the life for which we long. There is no one but you. You are everything. Everything holds together in you. And all hope depends upon you. Oh, God, I pray that you would break through in our hearts and minds this morning. Own us, oh, God. Own us by your spirit and through your word. Father, speak through me, speak over me, do your will, accomplish your will in this place, God. We have big expectations, not because of the one who preached, preaches, but the one who is being preached. Lord Jesus, may we see your beauty and be captivated. May we see your glory. Oh, Father, heal us with your truth and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, many, if not most, I know there's some visitors. I met a couple this morning, but um, uh, over really the last month, two months, uh, I buried my mother in December and then my stepfather uh, January the 5th. And uh, once we put my stepfather in the hospital and in a nursing home, uh, Rachel and I had the task of cleaning out my parents' apartment. And it was overwhelming to say the least. 
uh, literally every day off, every afternoon off, some night, some early mornings, we were there cleaning out that apartment, the deadline being tomorrow. And uh, hours upon hours, um, it was depressing, it was isolating, it was lonely, it, it was all the things, negative things. But we finally got it down to just the furniture being left um, that we wanted to keep. And so I sent a, a, a text to uh, the elders and my son-in-laws, and, and I said, hey, could y'all help me? And I want you to know, they showed up. Last Saturday, they showed up, and that apartment was um, emptied for the most part, emptied of all the furniture. And the relief and the life of being in that place alone for so long and then having some, you know, a group come in, it, it, it gave me just a huge, it endeared these men to me and to Rachel. It was life-giving. We were in a desperate situation, and they showed up. And that's what John is talking about. Dear friends, in the midst of our desperation, in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hopelessness, in the midst of all sickness and emotional sickness, physical sickness, spiritual death, Jesus showed up, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, says the brother of Jesus. And we have beheld His glory. Glory is of the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. And you see what John is doing. John, the brother of Jesus, who became the disciple of Jesus, who saw Jesus die and then, then witnessed him alive. He witnessed the resurrection Jesus, resurrected Jesus. He says, I have beheld the glory of the only Son of God, and I want everybody to behold the glory. It's too good to keep in. That's what he says in 2031. He says, you want to know why I've been telling all these stories and giving you all uh, these accounts? It's, it, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. You see, John is one who has tasted of the world. He understands the death of, 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 of trusting anything or anyone else, and he says, I want everybody to have life. Why? Because John experienced that life. He beheld the glory. He encountered the risen Christ. And the question before us this morning is, have you? Have you experienced and beheld the glory of the risen Christ who said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right there. He is in this room by his spirit this morning. He dwells within his people by his spirit and through his word. Have you encountered, are you encountering, are you following, are you experiencing the reality of the risen Christ? That is what John is getting at in these verses. Have you beheld his glory? Well, let's look at that glory. And the first thing that we need to see is that the one who showed up, the one who became flesh, is God. I, well, I was cleaning out that apartment, my parents' apartment, uh, one morning, and the little five-year-old uh, uh, grandson, five- or six-year-old grandson of a, of a neighbor across the hall from my parents' apartment came running in the door, and I always left the door open just to air it out, and just because I didn't want to be closed up in that apartment. 
And the little boy came running in, and he had his, his, his uh, toy tool belt on, his little plastic hammer and, and uh, you know, screwdriver. And, and he was like, I, I want to help. I want to help. And I was like, all right. I was cleaning out some filing cabinets. And so I handed him some files. He dropped about half of them. He got maybe one of them in the, uh, in the trash can. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we did that a few times. And, of course, I knew he would lose interest, and he did, and he ran off. And, you know, I thought about that. I was like, you know, that is cute, but that is not helpful. <laughs> Why? Because it matters. Who comes to your aid matters. And that's what, that's what John is saying. He's saying the Word. Who is the Word? The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and, and nothing was made without Him. He's the creator. He is God. He is everything. And he has become, he has taken on flesh. Unbelievable. When we present Christ, we're not just presenting some teacher, some prophet. We're presenting the God-man. If you don't believe Jesus is God, then you don't believe Jesus. You can't make him anyone else but God because that's who he has revealed himself to be. So either he was or he wasn't. You can't make him God or not, he either was or he wasn't. And this is the teaching of the church. It, it, we see it in our verses this morning. He is referred to as the only son from the Father in verse 14. And he has made, quote, the only God, end quote, in verse 18, known. This is the orthodox doctrine of the, of, of the divinity of Jesus. Howard Hendricks, in his commentary, one that I used this week, said this. He said, we then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, the God-man, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, fully God, fully man. Many in the church wrestle with it soon after Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. In 325, the, the Council of Nicaea got together and said, is this really true? I mean, because others are saying it's not. And they came out with this statement in, in the year 325. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will never end. This is Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. No one has seen God, John says, but, but Jesus has made him known. The, Jesus, the God-man, has made him known. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, 
All things were created through him and for him. Do you love nature? Guess what? It was made by him, through him, and for him. That's why it's beautiful, and we get to enjoy it. But it's all because of Jesus. It's all for his glory. Um, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the one leading downtown church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's not just a little divine. He is utterly divine. And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. It was God who showed up. And dear friends, this is the one that John says you can receive this morning. You can be in living relationship with the God of heaven and earth, and yet you can know him through the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. In verse 12, as uh, Sir G preached last week, to all who did receive him, his people rejected him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Have you received Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? When was the last time you experienced his presence? When have you met him lately in the quiet place of your soul? When has he corrected you? When has he encouraged you? Do you know the living God? This is why John is writing, have you beheld the glory of the God-man? Secondly, the one who showed up is full of grace, grace upon grace. I was listening to a podcast called Typology, and Ian Cron was interviewing um, Dr. Kurt Thompson, um, who is uh, a believer, but um, a psychologist, Ph.D., and they were talking about shame and how shame manifests itself in different Enneagram numbers. But basically, no matter what your Enneagram number is, um, the, the fear and what drives shame is this. You're going to see me, and you're going to reject me. If I really am vulnerable before you, you're going to see me, and you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. And that's what we all struggle with. That's the human struggle. If you see me, if you really know me, you're going to run from me. And that's why we hide. And that's why we go to addictions and so forth. And um, Kurt Thompson was uh, talking about, giving this illustration that he went to um, an AA meeting. He's, he's part of a, a recovery group. And he said, you know, there are no new stories in AA meetings. You've heard it all, or at least you think you have, until you haven't. And a woman stood up and gave her story, and he said it was especially brutal. He said to, to feed her meth addiction, she not only sold herself, but she sold her child. And by the end of the meeting, after her testimony, she sat down and the room of 40 or 50 people were silent. 
Typically, there's applause, there's encouragement. Nobody knew what to say. And from the back of the room, uh, the oldest uh, person who happened to be female, um, who had been in AA since Bill W. started AA, uh, who was a chain smoker, um, and, you know, was in the back of the room, and in that, that raspy, uh, chain-smoking voice said, broke the silence by saying, the word of the Lord. And those liturgically minded in the room said, thanks be to God. That woman was left hanging in her shame, and this woman in the back came and rescued her. And friends, that's how, that, Kurt Thompson said, the only way to get out of shame, you can't get out of shame yourself. Someone else has to come after you and get you. Someone has to pull you, and someone has to tell you, no, 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 you aren't what you think you are. And that's what God has done for us. But friends, we all live in this shame. Rachel and I understand this. We were told after we were married and had Whitney six months later. That's our story. We were told by our pastor, don't tell anybody. Change your anniversary. And we lived in, uh, because to minimize your shame, and what it did, it just heaped shame on us. Nobody talked about it in the church. Just ignored it. How do you do that? Nine, no, 20 years later, I guess 19 and years and eight months later, we had not told our oldest daughter the story because of shame. But the gospel had begun rumbles in our heart. And we got the, the confidence <laughs> to tell her. And I was literally shaking. And she started crying. And I was like, oh no, here it comes. You know, my, uh, there's that shame, rejection. She said, I am so sorry that y'all had to carry this for so long. And we all started weeping. Why? Because she rescued us. She pulled us out of shame. We said, here, here it is. Reject us. She said, oh, no. I feel pity. I'm so sorry. Dear friends, that's what Jesus wants to do for you this morning. If you are living in shame, if you are bound in shame, if you are hiding from people around you, Jesus says, I see you and I don't reject you. I come closer to you than anyone in the universe. I lay my life down for you. I live under the law for you. I, I, I am your performance. I go to the Father and I said, hey, yeah, 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 I know. I, I get Richard. Yeah, he, he's, he's blown it in a lot of ways. But here's his performance. Take my record in his place. And then Jesus said, hey, give me Richard's record, and you treat me like Richard deserves. And that was the cross, friends. And then he, he, came, he, he came alive. He said, oh, no, 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 that's not the end of the story. Though you die, you will live because I have overcome sin and death for you. And I'm coming back for you. Because you are now a child of the Father, wanted, delighted in, loved. Dear friends, let the Holy Spirit pull you out of shame this morning. Let God pull you out of the shame of your past. Give it up to Him. He has done everything. There's no one that can do anything more. 
and then share your story that others might go, oh, I'm so sorry. It has to have been so um, hard carrying that alone for so many years. Come out of hiding. His arms are open. That's what the gospel is, and nothing more and certainly nothing less. Jesus is full of grace, full of grace. We see it in verse 14. He's full of grace. And then I love this. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. It's like, there, it's like John runs out of words. He, there's nothing more to, to communicate. It's like, I don't even know how to say it, but it's not just God gives you grace. God gives you grace upon grace. That's all he can give you is grace. Why? Because he sees you, he knows you, and he pulls you close to his heart. That is my God. We see it in, in, um, later in the verse. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. The, the real interpretation of that, who is in the Father's bosom. There is no one closer than Jesus to the Father. No one, if you try to come up and try to lay your head on my chest, I'm going to go, whoa, now, what, you know, what's going on here? But the Son has the right to put his head in the Father's bosom, the Father's chest. And that is the relationship that he wants with you. He's made a way for you not to be, you know, put at a distance and, okay, now prove that you're worthy of my love. No. You're not worthy of his love. Just, just get it out there. Nobody is, especially the guy behind the pulpit this morning. Oh, but God draws us close. And he says, you put your head right here, and you let me redeem you, and you let me deal with your shame, because I will absorb it all, and I'll replace it with love and grace and fullness. Grace upon grace. Who needs grace this morning? There is grounds for his grace. And then thirdly and finally, the one who showed up is also full of truth. We had a, we had a parenting seminar yesterday, and Tim Holler gave the story of um, his, uh, their three-year-old granddaughter, and Pam, Tim Holler's wife, the grandmother, was watching her, and uh, she was trying to get her granddaughter to go to the bathroom, you know. And the little daughter just was resisting, 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 and finally said, I hate you. And what did Pam do? Pam said, I, I'm, I'm sure you're very frustrated, <laughs> but I love you too much uh, to not take you to the bathroom. So we're going to the bathroom. And he, she took her little granddaughter to the bathroom. Very simple story. But let me work in the idea of truth. When we as Western people think about truth, we think of lists, right? We think of the Ten Commandments. God coming down, writing on this tablet, here's the, here's the Ten Commandments. Um, and that is law. That is one way that we, we get truth. However, John didn't say Jesus passes out truth. He says Jesus is full of truth. So when someone is full of truth, how do you get it out of them? 
you got to come close and get it. You don't just say, send me a letter, shoot me a text. If someone knows, is full of truth, you come close. You listen. You, you get by your, their side. It's like my friends in Colorado who fly fish. I've got two guys that are like Jedis in fly fishing. I'm sorry if you don't fly fish or have even a category for it, but let's fishing, anything, you know. And what do these guys do? They didn't give me a book about fly fishing. They said, come with me. And they got me in the river, and they taught me. And, and after a while, I would learn, okay, they just told me how to do that, but I'm really blowing it, and I'm not catching anything. So I would get on the bank, and I would just watch them. And I would kind of get over to them, and I'd say, I, excuse me, I, will you show me that cast again? Show me the fly the, the, that you're using right now. Show me. It's in a living relationship. It's at night, you know, at dinner that we're talking and I'm asking questions. It's them celebrating when I actually catch a fish. Them delighting, how am I getting truth? How is my life being formed? Life on life. Jesus is full of truth. How are you going to be discipled? How are you going to be changed? It's by getting close to Jesus and never uh, taking your eyes off of him. It's by communing with him. It's not just by reading the Bible. Um, Christianity is highly, highly relational. I, I love what John, what Jesus says to Thomas in John 14, 5. It says, Lord, Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how in the world can we know the way? And Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm going to text you. He says, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. In other words, you're going to know the way because you're going to be with me. Are you with Jesus? Are you with him? Is that where you're communing? The one who is truth can be known. He is the door into truth. As the worst thing Pam and Tim's granddaughter can do is refuse truth from her grandparents. So, too, the worst thing that we can do is re refuse truth from Jesus. Why? Because he is truth, and there's no truth outside of him. But catch this. Pam's granddaughter gets more from surrender to her grandmother than the truth. She doesn't just get truth of dry pants. She gets her grandmother... You see, it's in obedience, not earning it. But if, if someone is always disobedient, someone's always just got their fist at you, there's no relationship. But if somebody is coming alongside you, if somebody is listening to you, there's relationship and there's truth, something they will form you and so forth. Are you stiff-arming Jesus' love this morning? Friends, this is so practical. I have just had internal struggle a lot this week. And yes, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying, but I've not been meeting Jesus. And this morning, I just got silent. I just got silent. And as I was, as I was contemplating this passage, trying not to think too much, but just trying to meet Jesus, the words came to my mind from that in line with the scriptures, Jesus is my brother and my friend. 
And as I began to just sit alone with him, I started to picture, what would a friend do? How would a friend want me to feel right now? And I saw, I just pictured Jesus' arms opening up to me and me just moving right in and being embraced like my best friends do for me when they see me. They don't stand back say, what's up, jerk? Richard, ah, oh, it's so good to see you. How are you? And my soul began to come alive. As I began to think of him as my brother. My brother died 16 years ago. And before that, we never really had a relationship. As I started, so I've got to role play. What would it be like to have a brother? Wait a minute, I do have a brother. His name is Jesus. And his arms are open. He's the older brother who who comes to me and, and says, dude, you're a mess. Come on, you know, walk with me. Let's go together. I'm going to help you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to open the doors. You see, that's my Jesus, and that's what I have to have. Do I need to read my Bible? Yes. And am I going to meet him in the midst of my Bible? Yes. Was the deficiency of my Bible reading this week uh, the Bible or me? It was me. But finally, when I began to slow down and go, okay, this is not a duty just to check off. I've got to read a psalm and a proverb a day because that's my goal for the year, and I'm doing it. But I can do it and miss Jesus. And you can too. Jesus is the truth. You see, here's why we need the truth. Proverbs 18, 1 through 2. Excuse me, Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's what scares me about our culture. It's what scares me about the message that I hear. Find your own truth. Trust your own experience. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 18, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Dear friend, the truth is not in you. The truth is Jesus Christ. And as we come to him in relationship humbly, saying, you are the one that frees me from my shame, and you are the one that leads me unto all righteousness, unto truth. Then I will find life. Then I will know life. Then I will not be alone. Then I can live vulnerably before others. Then I can have peace, and I can get out of my shame, because shame is always focusing me in, inward, and I can see those around me to love and serve and lead and follow. Have you received Jesus? Have you encountered His glory? Have you experienced and received His grace and His truth? Are you continuing to walk in Him? Friends, this is Christianity, and this is what you're invited to this morning. I want to take about a minute maybe two minutes. And just in the quietness of this room, I would love for you just to close your eyes and meet with Jesus. I'm not going to tell you what to think, (laughs) but after hearing this sermon,
What do you need to take to him? Go to him right now. I'm going to ask a couple of our elders or staff, if y'all can be on the side over here, just to pray with people that may want to come for prayer on either side of the gym. Jesus, you were full of grace and truth. You poured out grace upon grace. I pray that we, your people, would receive you this morning. Whether we've known you for a long time, we've never really received you. I pray that we would all receive you. Holy Spirit, do your work right now. If this is completely new to you and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never believed him to be the grace and truth, go see someone on the side and just tell them that. If you would like to receive him, they can lead you in that process. If you want to tell them that you're still processing and you want to know more, tell them that too. There's no pressure. Jesus is waiting, waiting. Arms wide open. Thank you, Jesus, that you take me. Worship team, lead us. But feel free to go to the side and speak with someone. We'll be here after the service as well. God is that near, friends, and He'll be that near tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. 
May we live in his presence. May we experience how full of grace and truth he is. That's the God that he is. Let's receive the benediction. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends.